0: Thank you, Greg. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come and we invite you into this place. We've already felt your spirit here with us. For that, we give you thanks and praise. Lord, in the coming uh, moments here, um, we ask for just a little bit more. Uh, We ask that you not only be present with us, But God, that you find your way into pieces of our heart that we've, we've hidden, maybe from ourselves, but, but certainly from you. We've, we've walled ourselves off from what you're uh, able to do in our lives. God, break through those walls this morning. Change us from the inside out. Speak to us. Work in us. Transform us. Make us into your image. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> Wonderful to be with you this morning. Here we are, it is January 7th, and the first Sunday of the new year. Uh, so, happy new year, officially. Uh, so last, uh, maybe like two years ago, or I forget when this was, but I, uh, it was probably like a, a, maybe Laura can help me, but it was like a February or March, or and I said to Laura, I was like, hey, can we like... Let's put something on the calendar and say, in the month of January, let's just not really, let's just you know ease out of the holidays and and kind of ease back into the new year. And I, I think we might have tried that last year, and we are not doing that at all this year, uh, this uh, this January. If you don't know, like it, it's coming at us hot uh, and. Uh, it starts tonight, and it's essentially not, not going to end for a while. Um, Kendall has, has told me just how many nights of the week, I, or of the month, rather, uh, that I will be here and, and with you all, which I look forward to, Uh it's going to be a busy month. Uh, and it starts tonight, uh, and it goes all week long, uh, 6.30 to 7.30. Uh, we're starting with a week of worship. Uh, Kendall wrote that onto our family calendar. We do a family calendaring as W-O-W, uh, wow, uh, which I hadn't seen until then. Uh, and that's what we're going for. We, we, we are expecting big things. And, and so tonight we're going to gather uh, and, uh, and we are going to remind ourselves tonight of what God has done in uh, the, the year leading up to this. And then give over this coming year and say, God, this is yours, and we expect big things, and we desire big things, and we want this to be a year in which you pour yourself out in a way that we haven't seen before. And then tomorrow night, Monday night, we'll gather together again. Patrick Hamlin's going to lead us uh, on that night. And, and the passage through all of this, by the way, is the one that we're, uh, we're looking into this morning, Luke 4, uh, 18 and 19, very specifically. And it starts and it says, Jesus stands up in, in the synagogue and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And this is our desire this week. We, we want the spirit of the Lord upon us. And then it goes on and it talks about uh, to the, the freedom of the captives. And, and so tomorrow night, we, we're hoping for some freedom. There are things, no doubt, in each one of our lives that we just need to be set free from. To be put into our past and nailed to the cross and done away with forever. And tomorrow night, there will be an opportunity for that. On Tuesday night, we'll gather together again. Brian Jones is going to be with us on that evening. Uh, You won't want to miss that. It will be an evening where we focus on the vision and the future of this church together, who we are, what we want to be, a sense of unity, and going in the direction where we believe that God is leading us. On Wednesday night, we'll gather together once more, 6.30 to 7.30, Wednesdays are typically a youth evening, and so our youth will be meeting that night as, uh, as usual, but uh, all of the rest of us will be here too, and we want to pray specifically for our student ministries on that evening, our kids and our youth. And this week in particular is a a special one because our youth are are going on Friday to a Reboot Camp. Uh, If you don't know this, this is definitely a good reason to be praying. Anytime the kids go off to camp, there's opportunity for God to move. And so uh, that night in particular, we'll gather together and we will pray over our kids. We will pray over our youth and trust that God is going to move and do good things and and big things in their lives. Thursday night, Last week, you got to meet Yemi. Uh, Yemi's a new friend of mine. I hadn't met him until last month. And as I got to know him, he has a heart for prayer that I deeply appreciate. And it felt like God put him on uh, my path and our path uh, for a reason. And so, as he and I got to know each other, and as I began to talk to him about his passions, uh, he said he has a deep passion for prayer. He himself leads a prayer ministry through his church, at the district church, uh, and he, uh, he will be coming on Thursday night to lead us through an opportunity uh, for healing. And uh, we do believe in miracles here. We believe that healing is possible. And so Yemi is coming, and he is going to be here for anyone who desires something like that. On Friday night, we'll gather again, uh, and on Friday night we'll be focusing uh, on the world at large. It's pretty easy to get caught up in in the day-to-day of of my own life, uh, and even in the day-to-day of maybe like our life together, but I do believe that God calls us to raise our vision up and to look around, and to see what God is doing in certainly our community around us, but even in D.C., just down the street, and and across the nation, and across the world. Uh, And I'd love for us to be a church that has our eyes up, looking out for what God is doing throughout the world. Saturday evening, we'll gather together one final evening. And we will once again reboot and recommit uh, ourselves to what God's doing this coming year. I want to invite all of us into these evenings and listen. I understand that like weekdays can be tough. Uh, Weekday evenings can be tough. I've got kids in dance uh, and in basketball and in civil air patrol and in all kinds of things, right? And so we're going to do our part to get here as much as possible, and I would just simply ask, just make what you can make. I don't think you'll regret it. In fact, I think you will be filled in a way that uh, you'll say, you know what, maybe I'll cancel tomorrow's plans and come to this instead. Uh, In order to start with prayer uh, this year, which is, by the way, what we're doing, um, we've We've got swag. Uh, Beth didn't mention these, but we've got a few more things, uh, little uh, bracelets that you can wear. There's two different, there's, well, I guess four different colors and then two different kinds. And the one says, always start with prayer, which is the theme that we've been running with all year. Uh, and we, uh, we are starting this year with prayer and we've got a whole week of it. And uh, so this, let this be a reminder to you. You can take there in the in the narthex. The other one says, expectation on it, expectation. And um, and the reason for that is that as I was sitting with um, <clears throat> Jenny Nichols and, and Jill Hamlin as we were kind of preparing for this, this week to come, we all, we all came with passages that we thought might, um, might be a good way to like lead us through this coming week. And we, en- we ended up settling on this one uh, from Luke 4, but But the truth is, the the theme that ran through all of the passages that we were looking at is that we expect God to do big things this year. And so we are starting on our knees and saying, God, we are handing this over to you. And so uh, we have high expectations. We really do. And we expect that the big God, who's the all-powerful, all these descriptions that we heard, right, uh, from our kids, our kids know these things, We know these things. The question is, do we believe these things, like with all our heart? Other things are happening this month. That just gets us started. Uh, I don't, by the way, usually begin this way uh, with my sermons, but uh, here we go. Uh, We've got a reboot youth camp happening this week right? We've also got a, uh, a joy group, uh, which is the just older youth, 55 and up. They too have a retreat this week uh, on Wednesday where they'll be doing aging with purpose. And so there's a lot happening this week. And then if, if that's not enough, uh, towards the end of the month, starting on January 21st, those Sunday evenings for four Sundays in a row, <clears throat> we are gathering together once more, though probably in the fellow, definitely in the fellowship hall downstairs, uh, for about an hour and a half on those evenings, 6.15 to 7.45, January 21st, January 28th, February 4th, February 11th. Please mark those on your calendar. These are critical dates in the future of our, for the future of our church. On these days, uh, I will be leading us through... Uh, some teaching and a lot of conversation uh, about Baptist identity. Uh, we all know now, and, and I've said it in the past, but we, we have some decisions to make, and, and we have some discussions to be had, and, and we need to come to some conclusions uh, specifically about what happened last year at the uh, Southern Baptist Convention in, uh, in June of last year and, and the decisions that they'll make again this summer. And, and, and while we are not immediately affected by it, it, being a Southern Baptist church, we are affected by it, right? And so we have to ask, who are we? What do we believe? What do we stand for, right? And so on those evenings, uh, my intention is to do this. On the first Evening is to give some sort of like historical, uh, you know, just framework for who the Baptists were, who the Baptists are, how we got to this point in history, and, uh, and, and what it even means to be a Baptist. On, uh, on nights two and, and three of those four weeks, uh, talking about Baptist identity and distinctives about uh, like what it means to be a Baptist. And then on the fourth and final night to, to dive deep into like the issue at hand, which is women in ministry. I mean, this is kind of the, the tipping point uh, at this moment. And to have some good discussion about all of this. And just to give you like the, the overarching, you know, preview of, of where my heart is with all of this. I want to create a big enough tent that includes all of us. I think in the world today, we live in a divided world, a world that has run to the poles, either to the far left or the far right, and and we can't talk to each other anymore, and we can't get along, and we've got no middle space to have interesting and, and fruitful discussions where we come together and we disagree on something if I have a vision for what this body can and frankly should be in, in, in a countercultural kind of way, we would be a place where we can come together and know that I disagree with someone else in this congregation about something, maybe something important. And yet I know they love me and, and I love them and that we can coexist together, we can do life together, we can do church together and that we expect that both of us We're going to be in eternity together, so we better start to get along in the here and now. I would love to create nothing more than a a church that is filled with people who who can disagree with one another, but live alongside one another. Imagine that, right? How countercultural is that? There's nothing easier, frankly, than to live in your echo chamber, Right, and to go to your corner of whatever theological world you want to live in, and and do the uh, you know circling the wagons, and we're all just gonna. That's just not me. That's not who I am as a leader, and it's certainly not what I desire to have, as a church. <clears throat> in the mornings of those uh, Sundays, uh, I'll also uh, be teaching Sunday school. Um, I was not intending to do this initially, and and then through a series of conversations um, came to think, well, maybe this is actually a good idea. And so on those Sunday mornings, um, my focus will be slightly different. So if the evenings are about like Baptist identity, uh, the mornings, well, I have my own journey uh, that I'd love to tell you a little bit more about as your uh, pastor, as the leader of this church. And I'm 44 years old, right? So I've got 44 years of of life experience, which uh, for some of you is a lot, and for others of you is nothing. (laughs) Uh, But more than that, I have my experience as a pastor. I've got my experience in um, uh, being an educator. Uh, I have a a lot of experience (laughs) being educated. I spent a lot of time in in school, and and so I've got three years of seminary. I've got six years of a PhD program. I've taught at the college level, and I've taught at the seminary level. And I think what I would want to do on those mornings is just to tell you a little bit about the things that I've learned along the way, about how to think theologically, how to read your Bible. When I sit down and I have conversations with somebody who's different from me, how do I approach those? And these 44 years and all of these life experiences have given me some, some tools or techniques to do this. I, um, I, yesterday, as we were talking as a council, I, I likened it to, uh, I, I like to watch YouTube videos of cooking shows. Do you, do you know this? Yeah. So they're everywhere on the YouTube uh, and, and what it is often is it's like a master chef who uh, will then sit down and say, well, yeah, I've been doing this for years and, uh, and here are a few techniques that I've developed along the way in order to make the perfect steak, you know, or here's a few techniques that I've learned along the way to make sure that I, I chop these vegetables, you know, perfectly. And so as, as a pastor, but also as somebody who's been through a lot of education, there are certain techniques, so to speak, that I have in my brain uh, that I use when I, when I sit down and I, uh, I read a passage, or, or I talk to a friend, uh, or I prepare for a sermon, or whatever it might be. And so I want to spend a few weeks being um, somewhat personal with you, uh, talking about what has shaped me over time giving you a window into who I am and how I intend to to lead this congregation. So that wasn't enough in January, (laughs) and believe me it is. Uh, A few months ago, we decided uh, that on January 28, it's a Sunday of this month as well, uh, right after church, we're gonna have a wonderful lasagna meal and I'm really looking forward to that. But I'm also looking forward to a town hall discussion that we're having that day because um, if you didn't catch it in a business meeting where we talked about it um, a couple months ago, I think it was November, uh, we're gonna have a conversation about uh, the potential uh, of uh, creating what we're calling a residency program here. And the residency uh, would look similar to, but very different from in some other ways, what we do in the summer. In the summer, we have interns who come in for 10 weeks. These are college or seminary students who are trying to discern a call. uh, And we try to help them in that way. And they help us by organizing amazing activities for our kids and for our youth. Uh, And that program has been wonderful. The residency uh, would be more like a year long And it would be somebody who knows that they are called to ministry. And our job is to actually bridge them from seminary into uh, full-time ministry, giving them uh, opportunities to serve, to lead, to even preach some, uh, giving them opportunities uh, to to have that that thing that every job is looking for. What sort of experience do you have, right? Uh, Well, most people coming out of seminary no experience. Uh, and so we would want to give them like a full church experience and then help them along the way into their next uh, phase of their life. So in January 28, our, our, by the way, our personnel committee has just been working nonstop. Um, Scott Yell and the crew have been uh, absolutely fabulous. I'm looking forward to January 28 because um, there's a building excitement among the personnel committee about what is possible with this program, uh, you might hear just a little bit more uh, in the business meeting today uh, as well. So um, that felt like an incredibly long um, uh, <laughs> uh, announcements section. Yeah, thank you. Announcements, uh, which in some ways it was, but we're but so much is happening at our church uh, in this moment in time that. I would feel negligent if I didn't bring us all together and say a few things. Pray. We, we're in what I, what I think of as a, a pivot moment in this church. And uh, we need us all on our knees together. I need your involvement too. Like I, I want you to be uh, active and, and present at these events that we're doing. Your voice needs to be heard. We we are in this together. This isn't just some dictum from on high uh, where we're telling you what to do. We need you part of this, right? That's part of actually what it means to be Baptist. Its focus is on this community together. It's a very democratic uh, sort of denomination as opposed to others. With that, um, I, I think the last thing I'd say is that my hope for all of this, is that we get on the other side and we watch what God is doing, and it builds a sense of faith in each of us that indeed God is at work here now, and that big things are on the horizon Open up with me to Luke 4, and we'll take a look at the passage that will guide us through this week. In Luke 4, Jesus is um, coming to his home church. I I actually really like this passage for any number of reasons, but one of which is, as I was kind of um, preparing and and reading it over and over again, uh, this is the town he grew up in. This is certainly, this is like the synagogue he grew up in as well. And so I just started imagining some of our youth, right? uh, That like they're growing up maybe like Jesus did in this like home church, you know? uh, And then uh, come back at age 30 and, and then do something like this, right? So here's how it goes. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, just like he did every other Sunday, right? And it came, you know, he, he grew up coming to this synagogue. As was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read, just like he had any number of times. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Mind you, in this day and age, uh, he's not handed a Bible, right? There's no, like, books at this point that he's going to be handed. Instead, off to one side of the room is going to be uh, a box, an ornate box that holds scrolls in them. And, uh, and whoever it was grabs out the Isaiah one. And then as he unrolls it, there's, there's no chapters and verses, and he kind of finds his way Uh, to the spot where he knows and probably has read many times. And he says about a hundred years ago, or sorry, a few hundred years ago, Isaiah writes this passage. And the conclusion of it all is, in this day, this prophecy is fulfilled. This is what Jesus is saying. And then he reads this passage. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me. This word anointing, of course, is Mashiach, Messiah, right? He is the anointed one. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. To do what? And here Jesus sets out, oh so clearly, his mission in life. To proclaim good news to the poor, He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Man, there is so much in here that is beautiful and good and like a positive vision for what Jesus wants to do in his ministry. But the truth is this. This isn't just Jesus' mission, is it? It shouldn't be. It should be our mission and vision as well. I shouldn't have to prove to you, if if you want me to, though, uh, if you were to turn to, like, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, Paul is uh, essentially claiming for himself this idea that he, too, is anointed and full of the Holy Spirit. I thought I had a marker here, but apparently not. And in 2 Corinthians, at the end of chapter 1, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. (laughs) You'd think I've never done this before. Paul says this, it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has, God has done what? God has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. He has anointed us, put his seal on us and given us his spirit. Sounds a whole lot like the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has Anointed me. And the vision and mission of Jesus is the vision and the mission of the church. And so this week, and frankly, every week to come, I would love for us to think in terms of what does it mean to proclaim the good news to the poor? What does it mean to set the captive free? What does it mean for sight to be given to the blind? What does it mean to to set free the oppressed? And what would it mean if we lived in such a manner so as to believe that this year is the year of the Lord's favor? Our Old Testament passage, if you'll turn there very quickly, was from Psalm 21. I've been trying to have a steady diet of the Psalms in my life. And I happened to come across this one. And as I was reading it, I thought to myself, if this doesn't sound like the year of the Lord's favor, then I don't know what does. (laughs) And in this passage, what we get is the king, mind you, the Mashiach, the anointed one is a king, uh, who is uh, being talked about here and who is doing all sorts of interesting things, and being, frankly, given all sorts of things. And why? Because he has been connected to the very first words uh, of the psalm, the Lord, Yahweh, God. And so it says, in, o, o Lord, in your strength the king rejoices. It begins with joy. There's a sense that because God is God and God is strong, the king can rejoice. And in God's salvation, how greatly He exalts or, or is uh, like rejoices exceedingly, and is uh, jubilation, right? And so because of the Lord, because of the Lord's salvation, there's this overflow. Of joy and, and jubilation. And then it goes on and says, You've given him his heart's desire. I love that this phrase, his heart's desire, sits here because it reminds us that we have a God who wants to meet your desires in life. As long as these desires are pure desires, there's, there is nothing that God would love more than to give you the desires of your heart as in the same way that he has done so for the king. And he has now withheld the request of his lips, for you meet him with rich blessings. You set a crown of fine gold on his head. He asked life of you. He asked for life, abundant life, to be filled with joy and energy and goodness and a sense of being alive in the world and what is God's response you gave it to him length of days forever and ever his glory is great through your salvation splendor and majesty you bestow on him for you make him most blessed forever you make him glad with the joy of what of your presence the joy of your presence. All of this sounds—I um, mean, if if I were like a Joel Osteen, this would be a, a health and wealth kind of gospel here. Where, but it—I mean, it's in there, right? And it's it's waiting for us to say, yes, this is what I want, and, and to live into a sense that uh, this is the year of the Lord's favor, there is this pouring out, this abundance, there's an overflow of what God wants to do in the king's life and does in the king's life, and what God can and wants to do in your life, and in the life of this church, and then it ends with verse 7, and perhaps the key to it all. Why is this happening for the king? Is it because the king's just a great guy? Is it because he's trying really hard? Is it because he's amazing? And it says very clearly, all of this is connected back to God. And it says, for the king trusts in the Lord. For the king trusts in the Lord. He puts his faith in the Lord. And through the steadfast love of the Most High, he shall not be moved. this is indeed the year of the Lord. Every year is the year of the Lord. This is what Matt said, and I couldn't agree more. Every moment can be, but we're sitting here at the beginning of a year, and I want you to ask yourself, okay, well, this is the year of the Lord. What does that mean for me? It means a few things. It means that the good news is proclaimed to the poor, for you. And we can go two ways with this, and I encourage you to go both ways. The the figurative way and the literal way. This is actually one of these passages that is uh, a lot of fun for me. And here's why. Uh, See, conservatives typically like to read their Bible literally, or at least they say they do, right? And then the liberal says that they read the Bible figuratively. This is one of these passages where they want to switch camps for for a quick while. And so when we talk about the poor, right, well, usually the, the conservative side is going to quickly say, well, they mean poor in spirit. Not not the actual poor. Whereas the the liberal side is going to say, oh, no, 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 we need to to be taking care of the poor, the the literal poor. I'm going to say, and I want us all to say, both and, right? Both and. There's no reason why it cannot and should not be both and. And then there's the sight to the blind. In what ways are you blind? And need sight. And then there's the freedom of the captives. And this is the one that I think hits home for a lot of you. In what ways are you held captive to something? Maybe it's a past that you're just trying to get rid of somehow. Maybe it's an addiction that you're trying to finally beat. And this year is going to be the year that you do it. Maybe it's a relationship that you've been in that's toxic and it might be either time to end it or time to fix it somehow. Maybe it's a job that you're in that is keeping you down and keeping you oppressed and keeping you feeling like you are the smallest version of yourself and you need to be released and set free. I want us to pray big prayers this year. I want us to expect big things. I want us to be set free from a past that we can't control, a past we can't change, and I want us to look toward a future that I expect that God has big things in store for each and every one of you and for all of us together. Let's pray. God, our Father in heaven, you are a holy God and you desire holiness from your people. God, this year, whatever it is that has held us from being completely yours, God, we release that to you right now. We give that over and we say we're done with that. We're putting that behind us. We are new people in Christ. God, you have a future for us that we can get excited about. But God, we know it's going to take some faith. It's going to take some hard work. It's going to take some trusting. You and and frankly each other. But God, I know you can do big things. You, You created the world. You came as a baby. You died on a cross. You love us tenderly and dearly. God, you want us to be with you. You have done everything you possibly can for us to be drawn into you. God, may we set down our weapons. May we set down those things that are keeping us from you. And may we run to you. God, I'm giving myself to you this year. And I'm praying that you do big things in me. I'm giving you our church this year and asking that you do big things in this church we pray all of this in Christ's name, amen. One final thing. Uh, We're going to sing a song, and in this song uh, are the following lyrics. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I live for you alone. I'm going to ask that for right now you stay seated. And as we sing, I need you to get that thing in your mind that you're ready to release to God. What is it you are giving over? What is it that you're being released from? What is the sight that you're asking God to give you? And then whenever you're ready and you've got that in your mind, I'd love for you to stand up and to pray that out loud As we sing this together and give our lives over to God. Let's sing.